Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey from St. Peter Lutheran Church in Green, Iowa. Today is Sunday, May 8th. This is the fourth Sunday in the season of Easter, and it's also my last weekend as pastor here at St. Peter. So Kristen, Micah, and I will be heading to New Calls in Wisconsin. We are loading up the truck on Tuesday. So almost there, as you can see, my office is just about empty. Since St. Peter will be served by supply pastors and hopefully by an interim while you look for your next pastor, there will not be any more sermon videos posted for a while, at least not until the Sanctuary Technology Project is done. But the good news on that front is that the church council did approve a contract last week at the meeting, so hopefully within the next few months, the cameras will be going in in the sanctuary, and you'll be able to stream or watch not just the sermon, but the entire service, which I really think will be an improvement over just a talking head at a desk. Anyway, thank you for watching today, and thank you for all the times that you've watched or listened to these messages. Next weekend, May 14 and 15 here at St. Peter, one of the former pastors here, my predecessor, Pastor Gary Hatcher, will be here at St. Peter for the 150th anniversary celebration weekend, so I hope you can be here for that, for his turn preaching for the celebration. Then the week after that, May 21 and 22, will be a celebration of our congregation's graduates, so I hope if you're around you'll be faithful in coming not just to those two, but into the future, continue coming and participating in worship. Your financial support is also very much appreciated. It's especially important over the summer months to keep the congregation financially healthy, which happens entirely through your giving. So go to stpetergreen.com giving to donate online, or if you're going to miss worship, mail in an offering check or drop it off at the church office. And thank you for your faithfulness in that. Today's first reading is from Romans chapter 8, verses 37 to 39. And after discussing some of the problems in life and the opposition Christians can face, Paul writes, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here ends the first reading. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, the risen one, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as I said, this is my last sermon here at St. Peter, at least until, I don't know, the 175th anniversary. Maybe you'll invite me back. But at least for a while, this is the last chance I have to talk with you about Scripture. So I gave quite a bit of thought to what I wanted to leave you with. And I thought about standing here or sitting here in front of you and preaching a real barn burner of a sermon, hitting all the hot button political issues, everything in the news like abortion and sexuality and immigration, stuff like that sort of help you encourage me on my way out the door. I decided not to do it. Don't turn off. (laughs) Don't turn the recording off. Scripture and our faith do have something to say, a lot to say about those topics, but I've never thought a sermon was the best place to bring them up. Instead, I picked the scripture I want to share with you today to focus on a couple of themes I want to leave you with. And basically, these are the same themes that I always preach on. God's love and faithfulness to us and our response to God's love, which is loving our neighbors. In the landscape of the Bible, 
The Old Testament lays the foundation. It tells the story of creation, the fall, sin entering the world, God's chosen people, Israel. Then the Gospels, the New Testament, the beginning of the New Testament, tell the story of Jesus, God with us, the center of our faith. It's the story of God coming into creation out of love. But in my opinion, the Mount Everest of the Bible, the absolute peak, the part that summarizes the whole point, is the eighth chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans. Last weekend, if you watched, I shaped my sermon around the confirmation verses our students had selected. Well, today, I want to talk with you about my own confirmation verse, which is that reading, Romans 8, 38, and 39. Listen to it again. Paul writes, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the heart of the biblical message. That's the the point of the whole thing, right? The whole story is about God refusing to be separated from God's created people, God's beloved children, you and me. No matter what happens in this life, no matter what this broken world throws at us, no matter what we do, no matter how badly we mess up or how far we run away from God, nothing, nothing has the power to separate us from God's love revealed in Jesus Christ. Hold on to that promise. And of course, the beauty of that promise is not only that God comes to be with us, but that it's not up to us. God does not love you more if you come to church more often or go back and watch a bunch of old sermon videos. God does not love you more if you give more or treat people better. It might make God happy, but it does not make God love you more. And God doesn't love you less if you do bad things, if you fail to keep your promises, if you you underestimate how much time you have to pack boxes and you don't get the lawn mowed before you leave town. God loves you because God loves you, not because of anything that you do. You can ignore God's love for you, but everything depends on God's grace. Jesus died for you whether you like it or not, whether you ask for it or not, whether you accept it or not. And you can live as if it's not true. You can even run away, but God's love pursues you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the good news. That is the gospel. And that is what I hope you've heard in my preaching. I had a professor in seminary who talked about the importance of remembering as a pastor that the congregation is not about me. She'd say, there were people there long before you got there. And there will be people there long after you have left. And that's true not just for pastors, but for all of us, right? 150 years so far in this place with this community, and many more I trust in the future. Long after all of us are gone, God will still be here, still be working, still be faithful. This community has proclaimed the gospel for a century and a half, centering everything we do around the good news of God's love. Keep it up. The other theme of our readings today and my preaching and really our entire witness as church is, so what? God loves you. What are you going to do about it? How does the gospel impact the way that we live? So listen to this second reading from Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. 
the prophet says, Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord. And you enduring foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam son of Beor answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before the Lord with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Here ends the reading. And I picked that reading for today not only because we named our son Micah, but because the last verse, Micah 6.8, is the most clear, straightforward summary that I know of, of how we are to live as God's people in response to God's grace. Our response is not what the world expects. It's not, I did this for you, so now you owe me. Sacrifice some burnt offerings and cattle to pay God back as if God can be bought off or manipulated. Instead, it's much deeper. God doesn't want our stuff, or rather, God doesn't just want our stuff. God wants our whole lives. God invites us to spend our lives living in response to the gospel, doing justice, loving kindness, walking humbly with God. God asks for life change, not merely religious rituals. Our response to God's love for us, then, is to love our neighbors. Our call is to speak for justice, to speak for those without a voice, to stand up against evil. It's the feeding sheep we talked about last week. Our call is to look at even the brokenness in this world and say, even in this mess, God is on the move. Even right here in green Iowa and in Wisconsin, wherever you go, there is need and God is at work and I want to be involved. So here I am, Lord. Take me, use me, work through me. That's our response. That's our call. Sometimes that work is public, public advocacy, maybe even on some of those hot-button hot issues. And that's important. The world needs the good news of grace and forgiveness that we've been trusted with. Often, though, God uses us in more quiet, individual ways, maybe working for justice and loving mercy and kindness with the people in our own families or right next door. The call is for God's love to shape your whole life. One more reading. Today's last reading is the gospel from Luke 10, 38-42, the story of Mary and Martha. And I've selected this passage for today because this was the reading appointed for my very first sermon here at St. Peter nearly six years ago. And it's coming up again in July, and not very long from now, but it's assigned for the week that Bishop Kevin will be here for the 150th anniversary celebration, the big day on uh, 
the weekend of July 17th with a big meal, and I hope you'll be here for part of that. But he'll be preaching on the Ascension window above the balcony. And so I wouldn't want you to feel cheated that you don't get to hear this year the story of Mary and Martha. So here it is. Here's the reading from Luke 10, 38-42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So in that first sermon, my first one here at St. Peter, I said that in a sense, this story, this story of Mary and Martha frames our calling as a congregation. We're called first to serve like Martha, to practice hospitality, to get things done. We're called to get to work, to participate in God's mission of justice, loving mercy, loving kindness, God's mission of justice and reconciliation for the world. Martha does a great job in this story of serving, serving Jesus, serving the people around her. And even more importantly, we are called to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his teaching, as Mary does. In that first sermon, I talked about the temptation as church to forget why we do what we do, to lose sight of our purpose. I'm going to quote now from that sermon. I've met a lot of people this week, and one of the first things people say about themselves is what they do, what their job is or was. I do it too. We let what we do become who we are. That is why we need to stop and sit at Jesus' feet to hear that our value in God's eyes does not depend on how much we do or don't do. We need to gather each week in worship to hear that message of God's love again and again so we don't get so caught up in our work, even in good work, that we forget God loves us for who we are, not what we do. That's a message our messed up, broken world desperately needs to hear. Gathering together here in worship around the table where Christ gives himself for us, this is our fundamental activity as church. We come to sit at Jesus' feet. The heart of everything we do as the body of Christ is gathering and sitting at Jesus' feet to praise and give thanks, to listen to the scriptures, to experience Jesus through preaching and sacraments, to offer what we've been trusted with for service to our neighbors, and then to go back out into the world. We do lots of things, and there's always more we could do. But before we do anything, we sit at Jesus' feet and worship. Beloved of God, thank you for being church together in Green, Iowa, for the sake of the world in the past and into the future. Thank you for including me and teaching me and serving with me. And as you continue to live and proclaim and serve in response to God's unending love for you, may you always come back to that truth that God loves you and cling to the promise that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our risen Lord. God bless you. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. May the Lord look upon you with favor 
and give you peace. Go in peace, share the good news, and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.